0: God be with you. You're still here. You're still doing okay. So another sermon for you today. Uh, But before we jump into it, if you need to go like grab the coffee or use the washroom if you've got other stuff to do, here's the beauty of doing virtual church services. You can press pause. You can come back to this. Um, So feel free to go and do that. You're not stuck here. Uh, But before we get into it, um, a word about sermons. Uh, Sermons in our tradition, um, what they're all about is helping us um, explore, engage, ask big questions, practice wonder. They're all about giving us language, shape, and form to how we're supposed to see and understand the world and our experience. They're all about giving perspective. They're about giving us truth and wisdom. They're about doing the one thing that Jesus calls us to do. Become new kinds of humans, building a new kind of world. Being humans of love and justice and grace. Building a world of hope and justice and peace. A world where everyone has enough and everyone has a place. And I want to start off with that because maybe you come from a place where sermons are all about doing what the minister says. Maybe it's all about being this way. Um, And here, that's not really the case. I don't know everything. Um, The sermons are more conversation. They're about me giving you something and you taking that something and doing some work. And so if you leave here today and you're like, oh, that was really challenging. I don't know what to do with that. Good. Uh, Roll with that. If you leave here being all super inspired and jazzed, awesome. Roll with that. If you leave here and you're like, that guy's an idiot. Cool. Uh, Roll with that. Whatever you leave here with, your job is to take it and sit with it. Your job is to rumble with it, because that's the work of the sermon. That's the conversation we're having. And if you've got questions, fire them my way. If you want to go a bit deeper, we've got the Going Deeper section on our Facebook page and social media. You can check out the questions there. And that's all for helping us do the work of the sermon. But today's sermon, what are we talking about? We're talking about three things. We are talking about disappointing plot twists. We're talking about prepositions. Yes, prepositions. And we're talking about the beauty in the letdown. And all of this is going to start with a story that's in the Bible. And I hate to break it to you. It's another story you're not going to like. It's another difficult, hard text. And I don't know why it is, but for the past three weeks at least, we've been looking at really hard texts. We've been looking at stories we don't want to hear, stories we want to shut down, throw across the room, and have nothing to do with. And this is another one. Um, And it's a story about Jesus calling the the 12 disciples. He calls these 12 guys uh, to be his followers, to be his students, to be the people his movement begins with. And he's gathering them all around and he's telling them what the deal is. He's like, okay, guys, here's what I want you to do. This is what you're going to be all about, this is your mission. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, if you want to get in on what God is doing in this world, this is what you're supposed to go and do. And he says, go and proclaim the good news. Go and, and through all that you are and all that you do, um, show the world that there's a new way to be human. That there's a new kind of world that we could have. That you don't need to live like that. It doesn't need to be this way, but a world of justice and peace, a life of joy and love, you can have that right here and right now. All you got to do is say yes to this movement and come and follow me and get in on what God is doing in the world. And so the disciples are hearing all that, and we can imagine that they're feeling pretty jazzed. We can imagine they feel a fire within them, and maybe you know this fire. Maybe you've gone to church enough and you've heard about Jesus enough where you're like, oh, That's exciting. I want in on that. That's amazing. That's beautiful. That's transcendent. I can't wait to be in on that. And we're all feeling that way. And then the plot twist happens. The disappointing plot twist. And I say plot twist because what happens next is something we don't expect to happen. And I say disappointing plot twist because what happens next is something we don't want to happen next. Do you know those kind of plot twists? Have you seen those before? Maybe you've been a part of a a book. um, You've been reading it and your favorite character is killed off. Or maybe it's like the end of New Girl or like the year 2020. We all know what disappointing plot twists are like. And here's the plot twist. Here's what Jesus does next. He looks at them and he says, oh, and if this is why you're all here. If you want to get in on that, if you want to follow me, if you want to live out those values, if you want to make that world happen. If you want to do this intentionally, thoughtfully, and sincerely, guess what? It's not going to be easy. Actually, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be really hard. People are going to hate you. You're going to be run out of town. And you will become enemies with people. Even members of your own family. Right? Yeah, plot twist. We don't want to hear that. We weren't expecting that. But hold on, because Jesus keeps on going. He says, you think I came to bring peace? No, I came to bring a sword. And if you're with them, you're not with me. And if you want to keep that life, you're going to lose your life. But if you give up that life, you will find your life. Yeah, those are words from Jesus. That's a disappointing plot twist. I mean, what the heck? What do we do with that? I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. Your family's going to hate you. I need to leave it all behind? Yeah. Definitely not what we expected, is it? Kind of makes us uncomfortable. Makes us want to run away. It makes us say, um, that's not the Jesus that I know. Yeah, it does all those things. But again, even though it makes us uncomfortable, even though we want to run away from this, um, let's do the same thing that we've had to do with the other stories we've heard in the past few weeks. Let's choose to get curious. Let's remember that. As with everything that causes us to be a bit uncomfortable and run away and close up, let's remember that feeling. That feeling is often a sign that there's something in this. There's something here, there's something in this situation that we actually need to pay attention to. There's something here that we need to lean in towards instead of move away from. There's some wisdom and truth in here that we actually have to deal with. Oh, and also... um, if this made you say, ooh, that's not my Jesus, uh, let's remember something that the great Annie Lamott said. Uh, Annie Lamott said this You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. Isn't that great? You can safely assume you've created God in your own image. And what that means, basically, is that you've you've domesticated God. You've tamed Jesus. You've made God and Jesus a bit more like you than like they actually are. When it turns out that they hate all the same people that you do. Yeah, if we ever find ourselves being like, ooh, I don't like that God. Or, ooh, I don't like that Jesus. Ooh, again, it's a sign we should pay attention. That's a sign we should lean into this instead of running away. So let's lean into this. Let's get curious and ask, what is up with Jesus here? Why is he saying the opposite of what we expected him to say? Why is he saying he brought a sword? Why is he saying he wants to divide us from our families? Why the violent imagery? Why the harshness? What is going on here? So to get to that, let's talk about prepositions. And I know, I know, the weirdest and maybe not the best of segues, uh, but roll with me here. Because I think a quick grammar lesson can actually help us find out what Jesus is saying here. So when we talk about what Jesus is all about. When we talk about what he's inviting us into. We can sum it up in three prepositions. From. Into. For. From. Into. And for. The life that Jesus calls us into is a life that moves away from one thing into another thing for the purpose of another thing. When we talk about that life, that eternal life, that life that hums with reverence, that life in God's kingdom, in God's world, we're talking about the sacred movement away from a life of greed, fear, and despair, a life that's bent towards us into a life of generosity, love, and hope, a life that's bent towards others. For the purpose of making the world more like the one that God made it to be. A world where everyone has enough, everyone has a place. A world where rivers of justice and peace flow. From, into, and for. That's the way. That's the transformation. That's the journey. That's what we're getting at when we talk about salvation. That's the thing that Jesus saves us from. He saves us from, into, and for. And that's what he's inviting those disciples into. That's what he invites us into. And it's there in that sacred movement, in that journey, that we find the life and world we're meant to have. Yeah, that's the spiritual task. That's the work. That's that sacred movement. And if that's the movement, if that's what Jesus is inviting people into, maybe what Jesus says starts to make a bit more sense. Maybe we can pick up what he's putting down. Maybe we even know the tension he's talking about. Because the thing is, and I think this might be the part we're running away from. uh, This is the part that makes us uncomfortable, which makes it the part that we have to rumble with. Uh, What does movement require? It requires movement. It means leaving things behind. It means moving away from unjust and broken systems, toxic dynamics, relationships, and structures. It means moving away from harmful and oppressive habits, mindsets, and narratives. It means moving away from the very things God is trying to save us from. The things that keep our lives and our worlds from humming with reverence and being the kind of place where everyone belongs and where mighty rivers of justice and peace flow. Yeah, we can't have the life and world Jesus calls us into. We can't live for the sake of others if we're still a part of the very things that Jesus is trying to move us away from. And that's the thing about liberation. That's the thing about transformation. It's disruptive. It's divisive. It's painful. It's maybe even violent. To say yes to it means saying no to something else. To say yes to liberation means saying no to something else. To say yes to Jesus means saying no to something else. To say yes means saying no maybe to the values uh, that you were raised with. To say yes might mean saying no to the ideas and beliefs of your friends. Saying yes might mean saying no to how you think and how you behave. To say yes just might mean saying no to how the world works, is structured, and is ordered. To say yes is going to mean saying no. It'll mean division. It'll mean conflict. It'll mean speaking up. It'll mean standing against. It'll mean leaving things behind. Even things that were once precious, comforting, and valuable. It'll mean saying no to all the things that keep us in our world from being what it could be. Yeah, that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's reminding us that to say yes is to say no. I mean, so no wonder we don't like it. No wonder we want to run away from it. That's a hard, hard truth. It means doing some really difficult things. But here's the beauty in that letdown. Here's the hope in that despair. Here's the paradox that we have to hold on to as we try to say yes and enter into that sacred movement. It's by losing our life that we find our life. It's by leaving our home that we find our home. It's by abandoning it all that we actually find it all. Yeah, as weird as that might sound, as counterintuitive as that may sound, It's in leaving our homes that we actually find it. It's, as Paul would say, by dying to self, we actually find our new life and rise up into something new. And as weird as that might sound, I think we've all experienced it. I think you might know what all those little mantras and lines are getting at. Have you ever been at a family dinner and your crazy uncle Larry says something racist or sexist? And you know it's wrong. You know it conflicts with the values that you have. And you're wondering, oh, should I rock the family boat? Should I say something? Because I know that's not right. And you risk it all. You risk conflict. You risk division by saying, you actually know what? That's wrong and here's why. Or maybe you've been treated away your whole life. And you finally build up the nerve to risk ending the relationship by saying, actually, you know what? I'm not okay with you treating me like that. I'm worth more than that. Or maybe something is happening in the world and you know it's wrong and there are protests happening and you know it might put you at odds with people you love. You know it might risk losing your job but you join in anyways because you know that is the right thing. Anyone ever do stuff like that? And here's my question if you've ever done something like that. If you've ever said no to something. Do you, do you regret it? You might resent it it might have brought conflict. It might have brought division. But do you regret it? I'm going to bet you don't. I'm going to bet you don't regret it because saying no you discovered was worth it. And it's worth it because it's there in those moments of saying no that you found yourself, that you found your true life, that you found the very life you're looking for, that you've begun to step into the kind of world that God is wanting to create. A world where everyone has enough and everyone has a place. A world that flows with justice and peace. It's by saying no. That you step into something new. And so because we don't have the last page of the sermon, we're just going to weigh in. And so here's your part of the conversation. Are you willing to say no to something? Because you said yes to this. What do you now need to say no to? What is going on in you and around you that you need to say no to? And are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing to have division and conflict happen knowing that as that paradox says, it's in losing all of that, in leaving all that behind, that you actually step into something you're looking for, something new, something beautiful, and something life-giving. So your homework this week What do you have to say no to? What is your yes causing you to do? How can you step deeper into that sacred movement of from, into, and for? And as you take that conversation and finish it, may grace and peace be with you.